guys. Why don't you give somebody a high five and then you can be seated. Man, it's good to have you guys here today. I don't know if you're ready, but God's about to do something. Anybody ready? Come on, do this a little bit. Just wave your hand like this. Come on, get a little Pentecostal with me for a minute. Come on, do this. All right. Uh, so glad to, to be here and uh, all of the locations, the uh, Framingham and TC campus as well and those online. And I'm just honored. I just, I love your pastors, Derek and Stacy. And I could spend my entire time just talking about how precious and important they are to me. And if I told you, then they would, you would understand why I love them so much, really my wife and I wouldn't even be together, wouldn't even know each other if it weren't for his family. See, Derek's father, Ernie, introduced on a blind date a man named Tom Dunn to my wife's mother. Uh, she's, I don't even know how many years ago now. And uh, they went on a date, fell in love, got married. Tom was from the South, moved back to Louisiana, or not back to Louisiana, moved back to the South and to Louisiana. And that's how my wife ended up being in Louisiana. And then we met. And then she fell in love, and you know, I mean, hey. But, uh, but the point simply is that the history of this family goes away back. And I love you and Stacy. I have so much fun hanging out with them and doing great things for God together. And so why don't you just show some honor to your pastors? You give it up for Pastors Derek and Stacy. Come on, Connect Church. Show them your love. Yeah. So uh, my, my wife is, uh, is here with me as well, as well as our oldest son. They were down at TC campus uh, hanging out there with Devin. And so uh, I, love, I love all their family, you know, just seeing what God has done. In fact, Devin uh, and Mallory both came down to Florida and were part of our college. That's where Devin says he surrendered his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You did a good job. You set him up for me. And then I just pushed him across the finish line right there. But uh, it just, it really is an honor. They were at that other campus, my wife and uh, my oldest son. They're on their way uh, to this location. But I would like to introduce my family to you. I brought a photo of them. Would you guys throw the picture up of my family? Yeah. Y'all see that girl standing next to me? That's not my oldest daughter. That's my wife. That girl, she fine, man. Goodness gracious. Woo-wee. Man, I feel good when I'm around her. All right. And so, uh, as you can see, we love each other a lot. And uh, so, if you look all the way to your right, that is Dylan. That's our third son. He just got engaged, and he's getting married on March 16th. Yeah, so excited about that, right? And then uh, next to Dylan is our middle son. That's Connor and his wife, Brooke. They've been married almost two years now. And then if you go all the way over to your left, that's our oldest son, Jordan, and his wife, Sable. And they are going to bring us our first grandchild on December 16th. Oh, yeah. I've been praying. Man, I was like praying and talking and pushing and manipulating and like, come on, somebody, y'all hurry up. And then the Lord finally rewarded my persistence. All right. So I, I can't wait for that. And then uh, right next to Amy there is our daughter. She's the baby. The only girl, everybody go, oh, and the boys are all like, dad, she's your favorite. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, and the sooner they realize who my favorite is, the easier their life will be. But Emily just graduated high school in May. She is in college full time and bought a food truck business and started that as well. So she's kind of got a lot of free time on her life right now, but 
She is incredible. All my kids, I'm so proud of them. I love them with all my heart. And uh, Amy and I have been married for 29 years. Come on, y'all give my wife some praise because, because I'm extra. Come on, I'm extra. And so I, I know it. I'm the kind of high maintenance that at least I know I'm high maintenance. You know those people that are extra and they don't know it or they don't think they are? Well, I'm, I'm good because I'm extra and I know it. So it kind of, it, it helps. But uh, I am really excited about being here today. I'm from Louisiana originally, so a real Cajun here. Yes, I know it. If you've never met one, here you go. Let me tell you what's going to happen today. We're going to have a lot of fun. I don't think you're going to learn anything, but we're going to have fun today. God called my wife and I out of Louisiana to Florida, and then 20 years ago, we just celebrated 20 years for Bayside Community Church. We started it 20 years ago. We have nine locations, four different counties. God has been really good to us. And, but because of my wife's being from here, her family, and I just have a real passion and a connection, and because of my relationship with Derek and Stacy. I love New England. That's why we're doing a conference on Tuesday with pastors all over this. And I tell you that just to let you know you're in the right church because you're here and it's a good church. And the preaching's good. It's going to be really good today. But better than normal. There you go. Come on. The pastor said it. So you know it's true. But this is a great church for you, for you to grow, put some roots down, let your faith and deepen your relationship with God. But by being a part of this church, you're not just a part of what God is doing here in all the locations you have, but you're training and equipping and planting churches all over New England and all over really the U.S. and literally around the world. So you're making a huge impact. Can we just praise God for being a part of somebody, something like Connect Church? Yes. Okay, so let me get to the word because I'm really excited. Pastor Derek talked about having this expectancy, and, and so I have this in my heart like I am Juiced up, man. I got a word for you. And let me just encourage you to let you know that you're not here by accident. Like God knew about this day before a day ever started. And he brought you here today. And God put in my heart a word for you today. I didn't just come and open up my Bible and go, okay, God, oh, that's which one you want to do. No, I really prayed. And I was like, God, what do your people, what do they need to hear? And I really feel like that God has a word for you today. So I'm just going to, I'm going to work this thing and I'm just going to give it to you today. And I pray that it jumps in your spirit and produces something incredible. But I want you to get ready. Everybody say, I'm ready. So that means you need to take out your smart device or your piece of paper or however you're taking notes because we're going we're to take notes today. And by the way, I think this is extremely important because uh, Holy Spirit speaks to you in moments like this. He uses people. And I'm going to be speaking, but Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you today. And when you write things down, that's something you need to not just do for Sunday, but keep rereading it. The Bible calls it meditating on it. And as you meditate on something, you know how you put something in the crock pot and you let it cook for a long time, and the more it marinates, hmm, come on, somebody, the better it gets. I'm from Louisiana. I know all about that. And the more you allow God's word to marinate, to meditate in your life, the sweeter and the better it gets. Because the word of God works, but you have to work the word. So I want you to get ready. Now, everybody say, I'm ready. You ready now? All right, now get your Bible out. Who got a printed Bible? Let's see. Who's got the printed Bible? Look, raise it up. Whatever location you're at, let's see. Look at the holy people. Yeah. Those are the real godly people that got printed Bibles. Come on, somebody. All right. Here's what I want you to write down. 
Here's the word that the Lord gave me for you guys today. It's the word rubble. Rubble. Yes, we just recently had a hurricane in Florida, and it has been crazy. And we as a church, I, I say this all the time about our church, your pastor is the same way. That is, we don't run from storms, we run to storms. And we have been serving thousands and thousands and thousands of people every week, helping them recover from the storm, the rubble that is now in their lives. And I want to speak to you today about rubble. I'm not talking about storm from hurricane, because thank God you don't get them up here. I mean, you get some crazy snowstorms, right? But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spiritual storm, a relational storm, an emotional storm. Something is in your life that is full of rubble, and God wants to speak to it today, and he wants to restore it in Jesus' name. Now, I remember when I was a kid growing up in Louisiana, and my family, we were, we were broke. In fact, for Thanksgiving, which is coming up, right, we didn't have turkey. We had a picture of a turkey on the plate. So. <laughs> and, and our roof was leaking, and we couldn't afford to fix it. And so dad says, I was probably 10, 12 years old. He says, Randy, you go up in the attic and see where the water's leaking. And he gave me a bucket to go put there to catch it. So the water would drip into the bucket instead of on the ceiling and and we'd have to go up, and when the storms were coming, like it was raining, which it rains a lot in Louisiana, uh, to have all those bayous, you know, it's got to rain a lot. So I'd go up in the attic and have to take the buckets out and dump them and then bring them back up there. And we were praying like, Lord, we need some shingles. Lord, give us some shingles, please. And I kid you not, while we were praying for shingles because we needed them for the house, my mom got shingles. <laughs> That's when I learned, when you're praying, you better be specific, you know, like God... We need shingles for the house, Lord, not for mama, all right? <laughs> she did. She got shingles. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then. So finally, after, you know, trying to piecemeal this thing for a little while and hold on, Dad says, okay, boys, it's just my brother and I. He says, it's time to re-shingle the roof. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. He goes, but we can't pay people to do it, so we're going to do it. So I spent an entire summer in Louisiana, which is hot as you know what, in the summertime, and we re-shingled the roof without the right equipment, and we didn't have dumpsters to put the old shingles in. We just kind of getting them off with shovels, and they were sliding off and all over the yard. It was a mess, but we finally got the roof redone. And then Dad says, okay, now that we finished re-roofing the house, you see all that rubble on the, in the yard? Now you got to pick all that up. So I had a wheelbarrow. I go over, load up the shingles, take it to the driveway, put it in a truck so we could drive it to the landfill and throw it away. It was the summer of my life. I'm gonna tell you, I still, I got twitches now just thinking about it, you know. It was so much of a mess and rubble, but it had to be taken care of. Today, in my spirit, I know there is rubble in this room. And maybe some of you have been trying to handle the rubble in your life, putting buckets under areas that are leaking, trying to maintain it yourself. But that's a patchwork that God wants to do something way beyond that. And for some of you, it might be like the hurricane people in Louisiana, but in a spiritual sense, and the rubble is so widespread, you don't even know where to begin. But today, the Lord will speak to that, and I believe he's going to help you. In fact, you might find yourself just like the Israelites did in the book of Nehemiah. And they said, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who are bearing the burdens is failing. 
Well, that might just speak right to who you are. God, this burden is just too heavy. My strength is evaporated. It's failing, God. I'm ready to wave the white flag because there is too much rubble and we cannot and we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Can we pray? Would you close your eyes but open your hearts? Father, I just speak to your people today. God, you know them and you love each and every one of us. And you see the burdens in our lives. And you know that they are too hard to carry. And you know that they're too great for us to bear alone. And you want to speak to us today. And I pray that you would give us spiritual ears to hear what you're saying. I speak against distractions and thoughts that are happening right now in people's lives. And I pray, God, that you would give us clarity to hear. Let your word be planted inside our spirit. Let it germinate. Let it get roots in our lives and let it produce an incredible harvest in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So we're going to study the book of Nehemiah today. Now, maybe you're not familiar with Nehemiah, so let me set it up for just a little bit. Nehemiah was a God-fearing Jew who lived in Persia in the 5th century B.C. Now, Persia was kind of ruling the world at this time, and Nehemiah worked for king of Persia. Artaxerxes was his name, and Nehemiah had the coolest job, right? He was a cupbearer, which meant that he got paid to drink wine and to eat. That sounds like a Cajun right there to me. I'm just going to tell you this having a passing a good time, as we say in Louisiana. He got paid to eat and drink wine. That's a pretty good job. All right. And then Nehemiah heard about what had happened to Jerusalem. The city was in rubble. The walls were down. It was a problem. Nehemiah heard about it. And Nehemiah's, Nehemiah's heart was broken. And he went to the king of Persia, and he told him what was going on. And he had favor with the king of Persia. And King Artaxerxes told him, you go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. That's the context of what we're studying today. And Nehemiah can teach us some things about rebuilding and restoring the rubble in our lives. So here's what I want you to write down first. If you're going to see God do a work in your life and rebuild the things that have been destroyed in your life, the attacks that's coming against you, the first thing you need to understand is the word ownership. Now, let me just tell you guys right now, Connect Church, you may not like me as I speak about some of these things, but I'm going to give you some truth. So everybody say, oh, me. Come on, everybody say, oh, me. Ownership. That's what Nehemiah did. Here we are, Nehemiah chapter 1. He said, when I heard this, when I heard about the rubble and the problems that were in Jerusalem, he says, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, he said. That word wept and that mourned, it means like, his heart was so heavy. You ever been in a place before you lost something or you got some bad news and you, you just didn't cry? I mean, it came from here, right? You were just moaning. It was too great for you. That's where Nehemiah was. In other words, you're in good company because God did something in his life. He'll do it in your life. And he prayed to the God of heaven. And I said, oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying your commands and decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. So please remember 
what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, God says, I will bring you back to this place that I have chosen for my name to be honored. I want you to notice a couple of words in here. Would you write them down? That this word, even if you are exiled, that word means scattered and pushed away. And it says, even to the ends of the earth. Maybe some of you feel like that some things have happened in your life and you are so far away from God, you're at the very end of the earth. Let me give you some hope, Connect Church. That there is no place you can go that God's arm can't reach. In fact, there is no place you can go that God didn't create because he created the heavens and the earth and everything above the earth and below the earth. So you can't be exiled in such a way that God can't restore you and bring you back. Come on, give him some praise, church. Yeah. Because I've been in those moments myself where I felt like, God, where are you? But I'm here to tell you, no matter how you feel, he is still there. That's a promise from God's word. And did you know that there are some 7,000 promises in God's word? Oh, you know that because you probably have some of them. You know, maybe written on a postcard, put on your refrigerator, dashboard of your car. Maybe they're on your mirror. They remind you. Maybe they're on placards or different things around your house. Those are God's promises. And God's word is alive today like it was way back then. But you have to understand something. With every promise, there's what I like to call a premise. And that is our responsibility. That's what I'm talking about here today. You have to take ownership. And so Nehemiah says, God, we return to you. We repent. We confess. We take ownership of the problem that is in our lives right now. What's happened to this? Listen, you need to understand something that you and I have to take ownership for the problems of our lives. Now, that is not popular in our culture today. We like to blame other people for our problems. Well, if my boss, if my parents, if my sister, my brother, my kids, whatever it is, my pastor, my, my coach, whatever it is, and listen, I think it's great, and go get therapy and go talk to people about all that, but I'm telling you something. If you just keep blaming people for your other problems, your problems will never change. Now, here's what I want you to get. If you blame your problems on other people, you will feel better about your problems. No, you will. You know why? Because you'll be like, oh, it's not my fault. It's their fault. And you'll feel better about it. But here's what you have to understand. Your problems will never change. Because only God can change your problems. And only God can operate when you give him space to operate, which means you have to say, God, these are my issues, and I know I played some part in this, and I want to surrender those to you. Now, I'm not saying other people, what they've done to you doesn't mean that they weren't wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The problems that are in your life, you just have to take ownership of those and say, God, I choose in the middle of my rubble and whatever people have done to me or I feel like that they should have done but they didn't do for me, God, I take ownership of where I am and I'm going to turn and repent and confess and come to you with those. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness will exalt a family. Righteousness will exalt an organization. Righteousness will exalt a nation. And you say, well, what is righteousness? Righteousness isn't like I'm right and you're wrong. Righteousness that the Bible talks about is this kind of righteousness. It's like, God, I know there are problems in my life, and I take responsibility. 
and I say, God, would you forgive me? Would you help me with my rubble? That's where it starts. Listen, the cleaning up of your rubble begins on your knees. Everybody say me. me. That's ownership. Starts there. Here's the next thing I want you to write down. We can learn from Nehemiah. First, we have to take ownership, but you can believe we're going to face some opposition. If you think the devil is just going to let you just kind of have your way and do what you want, well, you can forget it. You're going to run into opposition. That's what Nehemiah found. It says in chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, he says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. Everybody say heart. heart. Come on, you know, everybody's not saying it, Pastor Derek. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's different in New England. But in Florida, for something to come out of your mouth, it actually has to be moving. So everybody say heart. heart. All right, I just got back from Ireland. So heart. So I said it like that. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, anyway. Uh, they worked at it with all their heart. One more time, say heart. heart. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the people from Ashdod, some of your versions may call them the Ashdodites, which they were, they heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were angry. I'm going to tell you, the devil's going to be upset when he sees progress in your life. That's right. So they plotted together. To come and fight against Jerusalem, he's trying to stir up trouble against you. But verse 9, but, everybody say but. but. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. I like it because it says that they were working with all their heart. That word heart in the Hebrew is the word meaning the core of your appetites, your emotions, and your desires. Have you ever noticed when you feel like doing something, it's a lot easier to do it? So the devil wants to remove your heart from something so you just give up and say, I guess this is just the way it's going to be. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. So you have to protect your energy, your heart, your emotions and say, devil, you're not going to have that. I woke up the other morning and my daughter real early, she's getting ready to go off, do her business, her food truck. And it's early in the morning. I fixed my morning drink. I was kind of ready to start my day. And I hit it and it fell down and it went all over the kitchen. I mean, you know, that's a bad way to start your morning, right? Do you do like me in those moments? And you go, oh, I guess it's going to be one of those days, right? And then in that moment, I said, I guess it's going to, wait a minute. It's not going to be one of those days. I choose right now to not allow this to dictate the rest of my day. Devil, you're not getting my heart first thing in the morning. Hashtag not today, devil. Get a shirt, hashtag not today, devil. I'm not going to let that happen. And listen, you have to protect your heart and say not today, devil. But the devil uses people. How many of y'all got some people around your life the devil loves to use? Come on, raise your hand if you got some of those. All right. Even if they're right there by you, don't point them out. But if you got some people, come on, raise your hand. It's all right. And Nehemiah, he called those people out. He, like, identified the problems in his life. Sanballat, Tobiah, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, the Parasites, the Termites, and all those ites. Best just get away from me, you know. And the devil uses people to try to steal you 
from accomplishing what God wants to do in your life. But I love what Nehemiah did. He said this, look in chapter 6. He said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Look, if you came down to refute what people said about you that was wrong, and you did that every time you heard something wrong. You would spend your entire life refuting what people have said rather than doing something great for God. My pastor in Louisiana, when I left there to go start Bayside, he said, Randy, you go over there. He quoted Nehemiah, and he said, you go build a wall, and you don't come down. And there's always people, <laughs> and I could come down and slap every one of them, but... Now, you need to have, we're going to get to this. you got to have people in your life, all right? I'm not saying be a maverick and do what you want to do. But you can't listen to all of those and spend your entire life refuting all those negative things that people say because you will spend your whole life doing that instead of doing what God has called you to do. My kids, for Father's Day, got me some AirPod Pros. Oh, and I love those things. Man, they just fit just perfect, and the sound is so good. But then they have this mode called noise cancellation mode. And what that means is when there's noise, I could just turn that on and all of a sudden I can't hear them. I'm like, I can't hear you. Some of you need to develop a spiritual noise cancellation mode. When the devil starts bringing negativity in your life and saying, well, it's always going to be like this and your life ain't ever going to be the same. And you got some sand ballots and parasites and termites and whatever else in your life. You need to say, hashtag not today. I got my noise cancellation mode on. I'm not listening to that. I'm going to follow what the Lord says about me. Come on, connect. Give God some praise today. I ain't listening to you today, devil. I ain't got time for you. I got something great to do. You got to take ownership. You got to expect opposition. And everybody, you get ready for this one. I want you to write the word order. We need to order our lives around God and his word. You have to take ownership of the rubble in your life. You have to expect the devil's not going to quit. But there is a very important principle of you and I ordering our lives in such a way that we are lined up to receive all that God has for us. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4. He says, after I looked things over, I stood and I said to the nobles, to the officials, and the rest of the people. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are. This is good for you. Don't be afraid of them. Remember. Everybody say remember. Amen. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I love this, man. It's, it's like a Braveheart quote. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand, and they held a weapon, a sword in the other. Because verse 18 says, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. As he worked. Nehemiah said, remember God is great and awesome. Some of you need to remember that. And you may say, well, if God's so great and awesome, then why are these problems happening? I'm going to tell you, God is great and awesome whether you're having problems or not. In fact, you can see his greatness and his awesomeness even more when there's a problem, not when everything's good. Look, God has a reputation of being great and awesome. And he ain't about to ruin it on your problems right now. In fact, you need to remember what God has done in the past. Because you have been through problems in the past in your life and you thought, I ain't ever going to make it through this. Yet here you are today. Why? Because God is great and he's awesome. Everybody say remember. Remember. You got to remember that. 
And when you're going through problems, you're like, God, why are you letting this happen to me? But we say things, maybe not even personal. We kind of generalize them because we really want to talk about our personal problems, but we don't want to sound like we're complaining to God. So we say things like, why do you allow bad things to happen to good people? So we project what we think about God sometimes through other people. But really what we mean, like, God, why are you doing this to me? Religion at its worst is telling a holy God why we have been so good. See, God is a good God. And the only thing that you and I can do is to order our lives with him. Because he's great and awesome, and I'd like to get in the place where his greatness and awesomeness is coming out so that I can be the one to receive it. Now, how do you do that? You need to remember. Remember the things that he's done. I can't tell you how many times I was like, well, God, I can't believe you allowing this to happen to me. And God's like, Randy, if you would just align yourself with me, you'll see how great I really am. So I have to sometimes remind myself of what God has already done. When I'm discouraged and I feel like the rubble's too great, I remind myself, well, there was a time when I overdosed on drugs before I knew you, God. And when I was brought to the hospital, there actually was no life in my body. But you gave me another chance. And if you gave me another chance then, then you'll do it today. He was great then. He's great today. And, oh, God, I remember when Amy and I were married and we were trying to have kids and we couldn't have kids. And I found this verse in Exodus chapter 23. That I stood on God's promise and it says, worship the Lord your God and his blessings will be on your food and your water. And I'll take away sickness from among you and no one in your land will miscarry or be barren and I'll give you a full lifespan. And I started standing on that scripture and guess what? But now we got four kids. I'm like, that's plenty, God. All right, stop it. In fact, I'm nervous about reading it and quoting it now. It might just another one pop on out. All right. Could you imagine my daughter-in-law having a baby and Amy having a baby at the same time. No, ain't, not today, devil. <laughs> uh, yeah, specific. That's right, Lord. I'm being specific with you. All right. There have been moments in my life where I just felt like, God, there is no way. But yet there's always a way. And sometimes you have to encourage yourself in the Lord and remind yourself and like, oh, no, I've seen what you've done in the past. And God, today you're going to do it again. You got to kind of. Be like this old preacher I heard one time. He said, he the same God, duh. He got Daniel out the lion's den. And he the same God. He got Jericho, uh, Joshua, right into Jericho. And he the same God. He got Daniel, Gilead, off the, off the island right there. <laughs> Some of y'all know what movie that is, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> but you got to remember. Everybody say remember. It's important to remember the good things the Lord has done because he is great and he is awesome. Amen. But it's more than just remembering. You have to order your lives around God's word yes. because what he said is, he said, not just go to work in rebuilding the rubble, but carry your sword. The sword is a representation of God's word because in the New Testament, it says the word of God is a double-edged sword. So in other words, don't just go trying to rebuild your life and not order your life around God's word. Bring it with you wherever you go. And some of you order your lives around God's word on Sunday morning. Well, I go to Framingham campus or I go to TC campus or I'm watching online or I come here and I order my life around God's word. But what are you doing tomorrow? 
And what you doing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What about when you're at work? Is the word of God still active in your life? Or did you leave it at home or leave it at church and you pick it up just on Sunday? No, you got to order your lives around everything. So that means he has to be priority one. So in other words, what do we do as a family? Oh, we order our lives around God's word in his house. Well, my, my, I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I don't care. That's what we do. We Christians, we go to church. We don't order our lives. Well, the weather's good. Well, in Florida, we're going to the beach. We're going to Disney World. Or here in New England, the weather's great. It ain't snowing. Praise God. We're going we're gonna to pass a good time. But no, you can do that after church. And people don't order their lives around that. It's kids' sports and activities and all these other things. And then your life gets in rubble and you're like, God, why did you let this happen? And God's like, well, you didn't order your lives according to my priorities. And so don't blame God for the rubble in your life. Take ownership, but order your life according to his word. And fight for your family, Connect Church. Fight for your sons and fight for your daughters and fight for your family. Fight for this community and fight for New England and fight for America spiritually. Carry your sword with you everywhere you go in Jesus' name. Come on, Connect. Give him some praise. Yes. last thing and this one is no less important than the others and that's the word others you got to take ownership you have to expect opposition get your priorities in order all right i'm talking about god's word priorities and then you need other people around you because look what nehemiah did in verse 13 in chapter 4 he said so i stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Some important points in here. First of all, he examined the lowest points, the places that were susceptible for the enemy attacking them. You and, all, you and I all have places in our lives where we are extremely susceptible for the devil attacking us. The problem with you and I is most times it's in our blind spots. And we don't always see them. But you're prone to making some really dumb decisions. How many of you would say, yeah, I got some bad areas in my life? Come on. Not everybody's agreeing. I don't know, Pastor Derek. You must be killing it at this location because I know Pastor Devin over there at TC. Everybody's raising their hand over there. So, so here's how we decide whether these guys are really that good or not. How many of you are sitting next to someone and you go, well, they got issues. Come on, I just, I know it. Hey, look at it. So many more hands go up. Like, you got to preach on deception and lying, a whole series. It's series coming up on lying and deception. You and I all have those areas, and we have to station people in our lives so we can be taken care of, and the enemy doesn't attack us in our areas where there's low points where we're susceptible to being attacked. And so then you go, well, I have people in my life. Well, let me just ask you a question. Because this scripture says that he stationed people there with swords in their hands. Are these people whose lives are ordered and sent around the word of God too? Come on, good question. In other words, it's not people just in your life that tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. 
You know how you can tell if you have one of those friends? You ever been out to eat, hanging out with some friends, and you go get in the car and you look in the mirror and you got a big old piece of food in your tooth right here, like a piece of pepper or something like that, and you're like, well, I wonder how long that was in there. And you were eating with them and they didn't say a word. That ain't your friend. A friend would tell you, you got something, you know. But they don't want, I don't want to make them feel bad. You know, they got the thing, got some of your nose, your flies down. I don't know. Like, bro, clean yourself up. That's the kind of friend you need. And a friend that will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But there's a sword in their hand. And they carry it to work. They carry it to their family. They carry it everywhere they go. And that's the kind of friends that you need. And when we live our lives this way, no matter how deep the rubble is, it says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15 through 16. So, how many of y'all know that you need some so in your life? Like, here's what the Word of God says, and the result is so. Everybody say so. so. Look what happened. On October 2nd, the wall was finished 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were terrified. They were frightened and humiliated because everything they tried, it didn't work. Because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. I'm speaking prophetically over your rubble. So it will be rebuilt. And all the naysayers and all the things the devil has tried to do, he's going to be humiliated and frightened because of what the Lord has done in your life. In Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Father, I thank you for the rebuilding, the reordering the reestablishing of the broken areas of our lives. And God, your people are here today and they need this word and they need to get to the place where they can all say, so you did it. And I speak that over them and I pray tomorrow and next week and next month and next year that they would continue to see your hand and your favor upon them and that everything that has ever been lost, stolen, and broken is rebuilt, restored, and returned back to their lives. And not in one for one, but God, give them a double portion in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, y'all give God some praise, would you? And would you close your eyes for one more moment, please? Because there's some people in this room that when it comes to ordering your life, like it begins with you surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about being religious because that doesn't really work. Religion won't get you to heaven, but relationship with Jesus will. And, and it's just simply a matter of developing a friendship with him. Well, I don't even know how to do that. Well, that's why you need to be in a local church because that's where your relationship with God grows. But all I'm asking you today is just to make a decision. Even though it's difficult and it's probably not going to make sense and it's going to take a ton of faith, it's to get out of the driver's seat of your life and say, God, I get in the back seat and I don't know where you want me to go or where you're going to take me and how you're going to get me to where I want to go, but I trust you wherever it goes. I'm no longer in control. I don't backseat drive and I'm not going to drive and let you sit in the passenger seat. Like, God, my life... You're my number one. Maybe you've never done that. 
Or maybe you have and you were like me and I grew up in church and I feel like Lord was in my life, but I drifted away and I got caught up in all kinds of things. And, and one day I chose to re-up my relationship with God. And I don't know, maybe that's where you are. You've kind of found yourself in the driver's seat of life and you know it's time to re-up that with God. Doesn't matter where you are. If you know he's not number one in your life, today's the day to reorder that by giving him first place. So I'd like to pray with you. In the, just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you and you say, yes, pastor, I want to be included in this prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as a sign of faith because getting out of the driver's seat, it is, requires faith. It doesn't make sense. So, but that's a sign of faith by lifting your hand saying, Lord, I need that. If that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three, all over the place, wherever you are, right there. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can put your hands back down. Everybody, would you pray this prayer out loud? Would you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. It's a love that I don't understand. How could you love me? I don't know how. But I do know this. You do love me. You love me so much that you gave up your one and only son so you could gain a relationship with me. So today... Jesus, you become number one in my life. I believe what you did. You lived a sinless life. You died on the cross with my rubble. And you came to life on the third day. And because of that, I can be in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. So today, I believe this like it's in my heart. And I confess it with my mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord. And you are my Savior. Now, Holy Spirit, I can't do it without you. Encourage me. Empower me. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.